Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. point in our story where everything can come crashing down. We come to the point where in the very beginning, as things were just starting to get going, Christianity hit a crossroads. And on one side, we have their traditionalists, although it seems a little strange to be calling something that's only a few years old tradition. You have the traditionalists who stand with Peter and the other 11. Right? They stand there because they know that this was the way that Jesus taught these apostles. That Jesus was a Jew, as were they, and that in the beginning, the first Christians were Jews who were converting to the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. And so they have carried with them the traditions in which they were born and raised and lived and breathed and ate. They were Jews, and all of the men, and that's really who we're talking about when we're talking about circumcision, all of the men from eight days old have been brought up in this rich tradition of Mosaic law. And so then they look over at Paul and Barnabas and the others, these upstarts, these who had been doing work outside of the synagogues, who had been working out there with the Gentiles in the Roman Empire, they looked at them and they thought, they're willing to just cast it all aside. They're willing to forsake all of this tradition Hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, of covenant and law and purity. For what? And so both sides are clashing. And they wait with bated breath for a decision to be made. Will it be Peter and the Jerusalem apostles or Paul and the Gentiles? And you have this moment where Peter could have stood up and used all of his power and authority and weight to just smack down Paul. Enough! I am the foundation of the church. I am the rock upon whom Christ will build this church. And I know how this should be. And he would have had a large cadre behind him, establishing his dominance. And he could have squashed Paul and those first churches like bugs. Instead, he does something completely unexpected. Instead, he says, maybe it's just possible that God has a place for these Gentiles. Perhaps God is doing something new with them that we never fathomed because it doesn't apply to us. And out of that, we get today's scripture. That the whole assembly fell quiet and they waited. And it's not Peter's voice that comes but another giant of the early church, James, the half-brother of Jesus himself, the one who will inherit the church after Peter is martyred. He is the one that stands up and he even refers to Peter by his Hebrew, name, his Hebrew name. Simon Peter was Simeon. Simeon, the more Jewish, the more Hebrew name. And he refers to him and he says, he has told you 
He has spoken the truth. And then in a wonderful oratory way that only somebody gifted at the highest levels by the Holy Spirit could possibly say, he weaves together the prophetic words of Amos, Jeremiah, and Isaiah all in one to reveal that God has been speaking this possibility for years. That the Gentiles were coming and that God had intended to redeem them too. Now nobody wants to hear that they're not as special as they thought they were. Nobody wants to hear that as special as the Jews thought they were, as special as the Jewish Christians thought they were over the special Jews, all of a sudden everybody's in. I don't feel so special anymore. They didn't want to think that way. We are privileged, called by God Most High to this most sacred faith. And yet all of a sudden everybody's getting in. My VIP pass doesn't feel so important. And in that moment, Peter and James carve out a space for these Gentiles at the table. He allows them to come closer than Gentiles have ever been able to come before to this rich tradition of God. And in doing so, he allows them to take their rightful place in the kingdom of God. It was a moment when he could have forced his position He could have forced over top of them all of this law, the magnitude of the purity code. But the truth is that even the Jews were having trouble keeping all 613 laws. I mean, just imagine trying to be a male Jew and trying to figure out which three times is it that I have to travel all the way down to Jerusalem to offer my offerings. And how do I remember the difference between an offering of well-being and a goodwill offering? Is it an ephah of olive oil and flour, or is it a pigeon? Trying to remember what it was that you were supposed to be doing. Trying to remember which hooves are fully cloven and which ones are not. Trying to figure it out. And the fact is that most modern Christians are graciously included in this narrative because of Paul. Because of the Gentiles, you and I can be Christians. Because of that. Because almost all of us have had bacon. If you're wearing more than one fabric right now, get behind me, Satan. Right? This is not the way we live. We are a different people with a different understanding. God loves the Jews that can do it. But I'm not one of them. And the fact is that when we are talking about a shift in power structure... It generally means that it's not fought for by the low. Instead, it's created by the high. And Peter and James had to do something that not only showed how powerful they are, but it meant that they were going to give a little of that power away. By making space and stepping aside, you are allowing someone else to step into power and authority. And most of us, in the human inclinations of our hearts, where sin is born, are not readily willing to do that. Because we like our power. We like our authority. We like being where the buck stops. We like being the one who gets to say, because I said so. But this was an example of Christians making a sacred place for other Christians. And this happens 
right? This is what happens. In 1968, when the United Methodist Church was formed, members gathered together in Dallas, Texas, from the Evangelical United Brethren and the Methodist Church, and there they formed a new church, and there, in a moment of epiphany and truly groundbreaking moment, the men of that conference said, I'm going to make a little space. And it's only been since 1968 that women have been ordained in the United Methodist Church. But it meant that somebody had to step aside and make some space. And so when we look back at this story, this was a pinnacle moment. Pinnacle moments happen in the Bible. It happens in the midst of the Exodus when the Israelites pass through that Red Sea and they stand on the other side and they watch as the waters close over their pursuers who meant to kill them. And in that moment, they sing a hymn that magnifies the glory of God, that God has triumphed for us and saved us for another day. It's a pinnacle moment. The moment in the New Testament when Jesus takes his inner circle, he takes the chosen four up onto the mountain, and there he is transfigured. His clothing is changed into the whitest of white, and there beside him are the greatest prophets of all of Judaism. Moses and Elijah, and in that moment, they understand that this is the Messiah, that this is the one true God embodied there, and that for all time, the world will never be the same. That's a mountaintop experience. That is a pinnacle experience, and this was another one. At a gathering of people trying to work out church doctrine, that's exactly what this was, at a gathering of people trying to work out church doctrine, some people came up and said, we need a place. We need to be part of this. And I can't do everything you're asking for. That's not my path. That's not my place. And in a game-changing moment, two of the most powerful Christian voices the world has ever heard said, fine, we can make room for you too. Because unless you're here because your family or your faith journey has passed through the Orthodox Church, you're a great-great-great-great-great-grandchild disciple of Paul. So unless you can trace yourself back to aspects of the Byzantine Church or the Coptic Christians or many of the Orthodox Churches' first roots, then like me, you and I stand over here with Paul. And we can even gather in this place today because some of the most orthodox made it okay for us to be Christians. Because I like my pork products. I like my shellfish. I like mixed fabrics. And if that was going to become a barrier to God's grace, then God help me. But the truth is there are bigger fish to fry. There are bigger issues than whether or not you can keep the purity code. And it's a lot harder for people who were not living in Judaism, for people who were living in Gentile pagan country, without the community around them to sustain them and to even enable them to do these things. Do you know how far you can push the purity code when you're living with Jews? I can't even tell you the things that they have figured out. So my son's father's family are New York Italians out of Brooklyn Avenue U. 
and this gaudy territory. And we used to go back and visit great aunts and uncles. There's a kosher sushi place. <laughs> kosher sushi. You're going, I can't even imagine, okay. And that they had figured out that if you needed to have a light turned on, you could pay the little Gentile child down the street to come and turn your light on in the Sabbath. Right? That's too much work. I have trouble remembering to turn lights off, much less remember to turn them on. But no, that's not the point. The point was that we are saved by grace. And even though the Jews, too, are saved by grace, their grace just looks, tastes, and feels different. And not all of us can keep to that. God knows this. God knows that we are different. And that just because we don't all have the same favorite color, just because we don't have the same music style, just because we can't stand to eat the same diet, doesn't mean that some of us should be in and some of us should be out. And so if you couldn't keep to the highest ideals of purity, if you couldn't memorize all 613 mitzvot, you still had a chance because God had created the ultimate safety net, God's gift of God's self on the cross for anyone who decided to be saved by faith alone. There's no diet plan for that. There's no wardrobe specifics. Instead, it's about all people, wherever they are and whatever they are doing, saying, I have a place at the table and I want to be there. Welcome aboard. So as we're in a time when the world is crowding and forcing you to decide, whose side are you on? At a time when we are urging people to make space disappear, we are the ones who are called to create a little room. We're the ones who need to remember that God speaks the truth through many different vessels. And that sometimes I don't like the way that truth sounds. Sometimes I just don't like the vessel it's coming out of. But that's my problem. That's something I have to work upon. That's not because God made a bad choice. That's because Sarah's got some bad ears and some bad preference. And so we are called to be something different in this world. To realize that sometimes by making room for people to express other views and perspectives and voice their experience, that we are actually creating more of the kingdom of God than we ever knew we were. Instead of trying to make everyone the same, it's to value the multiplicity of creation. To realize that I can say something one way and you can say it another, and they may sound completely different, but both be true? How is that possible? Because the same God who had one mode and path for the Jews had a different mode and path for the Gentiles, and they all lead to the kingdom. And if this is the path for some, God love them, go forth. And if this is the path of others, God love you, go forth. I'll see you in the kingdom. 
This is what we are called to do. Not to divide, not to cast off. Had a moment where I had to turn away from the computer this week. I was going to throw it against the wall, and that would have been very bad and not very pastoral, but very biblical. I was going to throw it against the wall because one of my fellow clergy persons did the, if you believe this, unfriend me. What? No, no, no. This is not who we are. If you believe that you don't have to keep these purity laws, I unfriend you. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Do you know why they say that? Because that's what the culture is saying. Wrong voice. Wrong voice. God doesn't say to you, well, you really messed that one up. Unfriended. Unsaved. It doesn't happen. Instead, God says, yeah, you're lucky I love you. You're really lucky. And this one's going to hurt for a long time. But there's a balm in Gilead. Because this is the difference between the voice we hear here and the voices that we hear out there. Right? There is no redemption out there. There is no second chance. There's no deeply inward value. Nobody ever says the wrong thing. Nobody ever gets a second chance. Nobody ever really mucks that one up. But in here, that's the reality. The reality is that the Bible shows us that all the people that we have upheld as heroes were regular human beings, and they made mistakes. And yet, despite all their sin and their failures and their messing up over and over and over again, God still did incredible things through them. Peter bungles it constantly. Paul even makes mistakes. I mean, if you were going to take my personal emails and make them doctrine, oh... Paul's like, tell those women just to be quiet. And then all of a sudden, that's like church law. We're not allowed to speak in public. Oops. Instead, realizing that all people are beings of sacred worth, endowed with dignity and great purpose. All of us have a purpose. That purpose is to worship God. And that will look very different for other people. I have been in churches where I have to cover my head. I have been in churches where I have to cover my shoulders. I have been in churches where I'm not allowed to talk. I don't go back there. I have been in churches where I got to listen to pipe organ. I have been in churches where all we had was a good guitar. I have been in all kinds of churches and I pick the one that I want to go to and that's fine for me and I don't unfriend people who go to the others. Because if our hearts are all embedded in Christ, then what difference does it make? Now, I've been telling my colleagues about this incredible thing that happened in Crozet. I'm like, we had this drive for laundry detergent. Everybody's like, yeah, okay, great. Look what's going on in Crozet. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand that it was a cross-denominational thing. And they're going, yeah, how cross-denominational? 
Presbyterians, Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, Catholics and Protestants getting together so that we can show people the Christ in our hearts. That's an incredible moment. That's a moment that you don't see all the time. And when I go down to the Catholics and I get food from them to bring back to a food pantry where members of almost every church in town come and help us feed the hungry, it just happens to be housed in a Methodist house of God. Do you know what a big deal that is? It's so incredible. And it's only made possible because there are people who have lived out what started in Jerusalem that fateful day. There's room for all of us. There's room for all of us. And there is a Catholic path to the kingdom. It's a little too hefty for me. It's not my thing. Not quite interested in having this. It's okay. It's all right. There's a Baptist way. My way happens to be Methodist. But I'm going to see all of them there on the other side. And I don't care how you get there, just get there. Get there. So yeah, it really matters who we allow to come to the table, who we let speak, and who we acknowledge as vessels of the living God. It matters. And at a time in our country when people are obsessed with saying mean, ugly, nasty, and I'm going to name it unchristian things, Thank God that I can turn around and see that there are Christians who are beyond all of the stereotypes and the divisions and the denominations and are willing to just bless people in the name of Jesus Christ. Moments like those change the world. Because if we can do it here in Crozet, step up your game, New York City. If we can do it here, eat your heart out, Atlanta. We can do it because we are the living legacy of a church that is embedded with the belief that there are many ways to understand God's grace. Many different ways. And if there were only one way, God help me, I probably wouldn't be there. But instead, I know that there is a path and I can follow this one because some really good person a long time ago who was a little bit shorter than me decided that people who live in this hemisphere should have access to God's grace. And so it was that John Wesley made a little space. Just like Paul and Peter and James, they've made some space. What kind of space are you making in your life? What kind of area are you carving out not only for God, but for other people to come into your life and speak the same truth in a new voice and in a new vessel and let you hear something in a radical new way. Because the truth is that God still has a whole lot to say to us. And the Bible is living because it's always being spoken through new vessels. So as you go forth this week and we near that fateful day when everybody's hopes and dreams end up in a ballot box, 
Make sure that you understand that you have been richly empowered to be vessels of space and change. And the most unequivocal way that you will do that is by loving and granting grace. May that be the message that overrides all campaigns until Christ comes to proclaim it as the law. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.